You are listening to the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. My name is Chelsea. I'm a teacher, practitioner, spiritual director, and pilgrim. And I'm Erin, a creative, homeschool educator, counselor, and spiritual seeker. Listen in as we dive deeper into the contemplative lifestyle through hearing about each of our lives. You'll hear our triumphs, failures, practices, and mistakes as we journey together. You might even hear a kid or two in the background. So grab some coffee, tea, curl up, and take off your shoes. You are welcome here. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone, and hi, friends. Thank you for joining us today. I am really excited. This is our very first episode of the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast. And today on our first episode, I have the honor of sharing and being a part of this story of Chelsea. Hi, friend. Hi, Erin. I'm so excited that you are going to share today, and I am looking forward to hearing about your journey. It seems like it has been a million years, (laughs) but it also (laughs) feels like it has been just a blip in time. Um, So I'm excited to delve into this with you. Yeah, let's get started. All right, let's do it. So tell me a little bit about your family, friend. All right. Well, I'm going to give you the uh, quick and easy version. So I have three boys. They are seven, five, and three. And I have been married to my spouse, Brandon, for over 13 years now. And we live in the heartland of America, the great state of Kansas. Ah, yes. A good Midwestern girl. Oh, yes. Describes me completely. (laughs) So in your bio and our introduction of the Contemplative Motherhood podcast, you shared that you describe yourself as a pilgrim and as a wanderer. Can you share with us a little bit about what that means? Yeah. So if I thought, you know, why do I feel like I am a pilgrim? And I'm not sure this could be kind of an overall sense that everyone can relate to it. Maybe it's just me, but I just feel on this eternal journey and I like to describe it as feeling like I'm wading in a stream and kind of slowly making my way down. I don't know when it ends, but I'm not firmly planted anywhere. You know, it's as if I stop somewhere then my journey ends or I miss something, you know, so it's just feeling like I want to experience everything, you know, and really maybe it is that I'm actually a seeker or a searcher. You know, I heard this Latin term uh, magus, which means more, which describes me, you know, always looking for something more, something deeper, you know, that perpetual question of there's got to be more to this. And almost everything I've done in my life is always that searching for that more. And, you know, I, I see myself as a life made and molded by quotes. So I am a quote nerd. I love to use quotes like the good songs that really grab your attention and bring memories to you or shape and mold you, for me, that's quotes. 
And the very first quote that I can remember that really probably has molded me up until this day was this quote I got on this beautiful Hallmark card when I was 18 years old and I had just graduated high school. And in it, it said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And which Frederick Buchner has this great books really about vocation. And so as I was entering college, having no idea what I was doing with my life at 18 years old is kind of where the pilgrim came out, where I'm always like, what is my deep gladness and what is the world's greatest needs? Because there is a lot of needs out there. And where do I find joy in all of that? And I feel like I've constantly been searching for that. But if I reflect back on my life, looking backwards now and to this more contemplative lifestyle that I'll talk a little bit more down the road here today, but is just, I needed that quote at that time in my life because every time I've turned left or I've turned right or I've gone in circles or backwards or wherever has all found its purpose. It's led me to right where I am right now. And the quote, you know, I also say in my bio, and this is something I will probably expand on in other podcasts of being a spiritual director. And as of right now, I'm just beginning that pilgrimage of becoming a spiritual director. And that was shaped by this other quote. It was by Lisa Hammond. Sometimes on the way to your dream, you get lost and find a better one. I love that one. Yeah. And that's like my waiting in the stream, really, of not wanting to stop. It's as if my journey, I don't know what it is, which I enjoy. Sometimes not all the time. I'd like to know answers, but the questions really are what kind of push me through the water. And so... That quote really made me realize that I don't need to know what that deep gladness is, that answer. What I need to know is just that I'm on the journey and the deep gladness is really found within. It's not found on this outward calling per se. And so right now, my deep gladness that I enjoy so much has to do with being a spiritual director. You know, and so I'm interested, Charles. Did was that something that you sort of fell into? Because when you say you get lost and find a better one, it's don't you find that sometimes that's just falling into a dream that you didn't realize you had? Yes. Oh man, Erin, you hit it quite perfectly. You know, spiritual direct direction wasn't something I had any idea what it was, or that even if I did know I needed it or desired it in my life. It was really just one person who had said they were a spiritual director that got me interested of what is a spiritual director. Right. You know, and really like was a year long process of figuring out what is that 
you know, going to see a spiritual director and realizing, wow, this is amazing and exactly what I need and want and desire. And then discerning, do I feel called to that, you know, um, that ministry or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so that was the stumbling. That was the getting lost and finding the better dream almost. It's so interesting because I think so often we're focused on um, writing our own chapters and being uh, having goals specifically. And it sounds like in your journey, you fell into it and you were waiting. And there you are in in a term, using a term and defining spiritual director in a sense that um, maybe you were one all along. Yeah, I I would like to say, I think it's always spoken to um, a desire I've had, you know, which is really listening to people and getting to know people in a different way. Uh, I did learn that listening is a very foreign concept. I won't put everybody out there as if it's a foreign concept to everyone, but it it was for me and still is the art of listening because it really is an art. And there's some good books out there if anybody's interested to learn more about just the Ah, art of listening to someone. Yes. It's not as easy as as we think. (laughs) No, it's not. So, I mean, it sounds like that's part of your practice. Um, And so let's delve into that a little bit and flesh that out. And I'm interested, how would you describe living your contemplative lifestyle? Um. So first, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this that everyone lives it differently, and there are days where I live it differently than I did the previous day. So I I want to kind of think about what I would call where I was before kind of discovering um, really spiritual practices and what I define as contemplative lifestyle that, that I will get into is that I look at, I looked at my life after I had just had kids and you know, if you have kids, especially newborns, mm. if you have kind of more than one that are younger, is for me, you feel like you're in a hamster wheel. <laughs> and I'm sorry, you feel like you're in a hamster ball. Okay. A hamster ball. Okay. Hamster I've got ball, it. Okay. Because it's very different than a hamster wheel. So just to give a good picture for everyone, if you had a hamster, or you want to Google it, Google hamster ball and hamster wheel. So the hamster wheel is where it's in its cage and the hamster can get on this little circular kind of track and it just goes forward. Okay. And the wheel starts spinning because it's moving. It's um, grounded there. So the wheel ain't moving across the, the cage. It's just moving, you know, the circular part's just moving with the hamster. Now, the hamster ball is really what I felt like I was in. And the hamster ball is when you take the hamster out of the cage and you put it in this clear ball, and now it's in its own clear ball cage, and the hamster can run anywhere. 
It can run forward. It can run backwards. It can just kind of get lost in the ball and just falling freely in the ball as it's moving. It can accidentally go down the stairs. I mean, that's happened. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I only know that because I might have, as a child, let the hamster accidentally go down the stairs, even to my mom's shame that she completely warned us on. But I mean, I, I think that's sort of a childhood milestone in your defense. So, yes, it yes. really is. It really yeah. is. Uh, and so, you know, so I had uh, I had a couple kids. They were very young. Um, my middle child was a preemie. And so he uh, t- it took a lot of attention, especially the first year, a lot of worries, a lot of stress and all of that. And I was just in a place in my life where it's like the more there's got to be more to this. I love, love, love being a mom. But I feel like my life, I don't even like I can't even remember if I've ate that day, Um, which that still happens but it's different. <laughs> and, you know, like I don't, you know, when you say stop and smell the roses, like I don't ever remember stopping. And it was just always this feeling, you know, deep down that kind of pilgrim, that wonder, like, you know, where, where I need to, I'm going to need to grab on to something here. You know, I'm right. definitely flying down the stream at this point in my life and I'm not liking it, you know? And, it was at that point that there were some people that kind of came into my life that just kind of had a little bit of what I wanted in terms of, wow, they seem really grounded. Grounded. And yes. for this seeker, the word grounded was like, uh, I'm really interested in what that means right now. I need that. You know, it was just like, I I, I want to get out of this hamster ball. I'm flying down the stream. I need some grounding. <laughs> the hamster ball. The hamster yeah. ball is not conducive to grounding. It's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's really not. And, you know, it's at that time in my life, like, you know, I did a lot of stuff. You're constantly, you know, with these, with these little ones that need everything in your life. You know, I was working, um, you know, involved in volunteer work and other, you know, projects that I'm passionate about. And, you know, just thinking about all of the decisions you have to make as a mom and, you know, with your spouse's needs and, you know, there was all this and all I wanted to do was to not do anymore. I just wanted to be, you know, I, I crave that solitude, silence and rest. Like those were just like, even saying them now, I'm just like, mm-hmm. ah, you know, like, can I have that? They sound like lofty ideas, right? Yeah. Yes. And I didn't want them to be lofty. I wanted them to be real. Right. You know, it was as if I thought, oh, I can get there once blank happens. So once my kids are older or, you know, once I'm really grounded in my career, you know, and I'm a millennial, like we change careers every time recessions hit, (laughs) which we all know is how often now, pretty often. (laughs) There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot that goes on the resume of a millennial, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, I knew I was like, okay, I can't wait for blank to happen. Like, I got, I got to find this now. And I don't know if anybody's experiences, if you have, like, holler out. But 
it's at these points when you're looking around searching that you realize what you want and need and desire is right in front of you. Like all these things for, you know, these spiritual practices of what I do to kind of live that contemplative lifestyle was all of a sudden like being offered to me. I just didn't know what they were or what that meant that the craving of that solitude, silence and rest is how I describe a contemplative lifestyle. And it's really deciding that that's what I desire and need. And so let's go after those. Right. You know, and I'll give you one such example that probably was right in front of me that grabbed my attention and that still really holds my attention. And that, this is going to sound silly, but really started off the journey was breathing fresh air after a storm. I still remember that. You know, in Kansas, we get lots of spring storms. And spring is my favorite season. And the smell of growth, like green grass, I mean, grass growing, flowers blooming. I don't have allergies, so I do enjoy those. (laughs) And um, yeah, the smell of fresh rain. Like I stood there and I smelled it. It was as if I was smelling it for the first time and I didn't want to stop. And that is really how I would describe a contemplative lifestyle of just being present and aware and seeing things new almost for the first time that have been there your whole life. I love that picture, Chels. I think of the um, the smell of the snow. You know, mm. people when they say they can step out and they know that it's going to snow by the way that it smells. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that smell. We don't get that much here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do not live where it snows much. But I, I love your perspective on that because I think also, too, in a spiritual growth sense of a newborn, just like noticing and responding and watching them discover something for the very first time mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. so profound. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that because I resonate with you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that brings up a great example. Like newborns could teach us so much. Right. Right. I mean, they, <laughs> their, their ability um, for most newborns, not all, but to hold eye contact And it's like they're discovering the world as they hold eye contact with something. And it's like, if I could do that as well and just discover the world through whatever I'm seeing at that exact moment and be aware of that. Right. It's, yeah, just the perfect way to think about the contemplative lifestyle to me. 
And that's interesting because I think that that's very practical. When we have when we hear the words contemplative lifestyle, so many of us sort of delve into, um, you know, whatever history we have with those terms. And so it can often feel lofty. Maybe we think that that's for over-spiritual people or that's for um, those who are in religious leadership or um, – Maybe it's just those who are really good at yoga. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like we have a lot of sort of a working definition of how we um, define the contemplative lifestyle. So I'm interested to hear where you would say you are now with the contemplative lifestyle and what that looks like for you. Well, yeah. And just to go a little bit on what you just said, um, it's a great segue to talk about that. Because, you know, you have and you can read if, if anybody's interested about spiritual practices um, that just help you to kind of become that, you know, the present aware, you know, meditation, um, contemplation, uh, if you've ever heard of centering prayer, those type of things. And it's just about bringing awareness. Really, for me, it's understanding that you know, my spirit is a part of me and just being aware of the ground that I walk on. You know, sometimes you hear like, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground Mm -hmm. and trying to live that present and that knowing that wherever I am is sacred. Whoever I meet is sacred. You know, I have, I do have regular spiritual practices that I enjoy that I find enriching for me, but they also change, you know, according to seasons. Right. So right now, for example, um, I am going through St. Ignatius of Loyola's spiritual exercises. And, you know, I, I, do those specific practices in the morning, and then it's really teaching you how to carry that throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is I talked about the hamster ball here a bit ago and how I was feeling like I was in this hamster ball. And because I was doing all this stuff and I was flying down the stream and I needed something to ground me. And what's funny is I still do all those things. Right. You know, I still take care of my kids and, and the decision maker and make sure they have appointments and make sure educationally they're on track and um, support, you know, my spouse and his work. And I still work and... Um, You're still doing all the things. I am still doing all the things. But what's interesting is once I found something grounded, once I found a little bit, a way to slow down the stream and maybe wade in it for a while and not feel like I need to move, Hmm. the just being present is what has made me feel like I am out of the hamster ball, that life isn't flying, that I'm not missing um, my kids' everyday life. 
you know, us. what's interesting is like, I feel this is a spiritual practice, but I am trying. I'm not great at it all days. There are just days I need to get some things done and right. off my checklist. Right. But my youngest son, I, I, we call him Juju. He has this obsession where when he talks to you, you have to make eye contact with him and he will physically grab your face and turn it towards where he is. And if you look away, he will stop what he's doing and say, look at me, look at me. And he will grab your face if needed. And that is what I count as a spiritual practice is just staring at him and listening to him the entire way of whatever he's saying. And yes, he does go on and on. So there are times where I say, okay, tell me one more thing. (laughs) I love when they do that though, right? They're tiny little hands on your face. Yeah, but that is such an in-the-moment thing of me being fully present to this little being. Yeah. As he discovers the world. Like, that is just something that when I was in the hamster ball, I would have never noticed. Yeah. You know. It sounds like you've gotten a float for your stream, Chels. Yeah. You know what? And sometimes I grab a stick (laughs) or, you know, a little um, trunk that's in there. You know, I have to say I'm in Kansas and I don't have a whole lot of streams. So I'm kind of making (laughs) up what the stream image is, but I have been in stream. So I do want to see. We have those here. Yeah. I wish, I wish, you know, and I I do live in a city, so I'm not, you know, I know in the more rural areas, there are, there are tons of little, we have creeks and streams and stuff. I just don't hang out with them. Um, Anyways. I, I'm divulging to the. Can you guys tell that we like visual imagery <laughs> at all? <laughs> and if you guys could see my hands, they're going crazy and they're drawing, you know, in the stream here a little bit. But um, okay, I'm not gonna. We won't go down a rabbit hole here. But no, no, we can. You know, just to, yeah, just to give it more perspective is, you know, again, like I'm still on this journey, and there are days where. I can have spent kind of weeks in this hamster ball, but I recognize it now, you know, and I intentionally get out of it. And I think, and I have to tell myself, like, don't feel bad. You got in the hamster ball for a while. Oh, well, let's, let's get out. Let's, if, you know, if I need some more grounded practices, you know, just even acknowledging that I was in the hamster ball and letting, you know, everything else go in itself. But and the best part that I have found about this is that my kids emulate what I do. Like I have I have a bit of a ritual. I I do like my senses and my you know I like my smells and the touch and so I do a lot of visual and some you know incense burning as I kind of do some special concentrated prayer times and my kids like and I have a space where where I call my prayer space and they all recognize it and they come sometimes curl up with me you know I try to get them not to talk but that doesn't happen all the time but they just kind of hang out with me and you know they've really kind of see it as sacred space and to teach them that there are sacred spaces here um, and have their brains really want to talk about what does that mean? You know, sometimes we do a lot of breathing exercises because my kids can be really rambunctious sometimes. And, you know, Three boys, I can imagine, right? Yeah, we, we need some calming practices and they love them. You know, sometimes 
they don't want to do them. Sometimes they do, and they teach each other meditation. My uh, my youngest Juju calls it medication. <laughs> I got to do my calls it that sometimes too. Yes, so I got to do my medication. Yes, but, you know, bless him. You know that's okay. That's okay. But all right. So okay, and I'm gonna say. You know, doing this podcast and naming it Contemplative Motherhood and really, you know, what does that mean to me? I'm going to describe something because that's what I've done a lot of, but I like to think a contemplative mother is like the lather, rinse, repeat method. So if you've ever read a shampoo bottle, it has lather, rinse, and repeat if necessary. And Again, when I was in the hamster ball with kids, it felt like feed kids, get ready, clean, repeat. Feed kids, get ready, clean, repeat. And that, yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> days consisted of. So if I could put that same saying into, you know, a contemplative mother, for me, it's breathe, notice, respond, repeat. Breathe. Notice, respond, and repeat. Hmm. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, man, as a mother, the first thing that I have to do is breathe. (laughs) I catch myself holding my breath. Do you ever do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You take those deep breaths. Yeah. Yeah. My husband's always like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, no, I'm just breathing. I just forgot. I'm not angry. (laughs) I'm not angry. This is not a thing. I am just taking a deep breath. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that because I think that's a really important aspect of applying that to our motherhood journey. There has to be just something we can grasp onto in a practical sense. And that breathe, I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. And noticing, noticing that you're breathing, like intentionally breathing. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll wrap us up here on our discussion part of just for those listening and, you know, offering an invitation. If you relate to being in that hamster ball, or if you feel like you're in the hamster ball looking for something grounded, you know, that is really kind of what I feel, Erin, that we would love to offer people that are listening is ways to live out that and to live through it. So I am just going to have us do some ending practices here. And really, it's uh, something that we're going to try to end all the podcasts with. And that's just a little practice as you're doing it. If you're driving in a car, please take discretion um, on what you do with these practices. But right now, if you're listening, I just love for you to take the palm. It can be in a fist form. It can be open and just put it to your cheek. And really just notice the temperature. Mm. 
And let me know, you know, let yourself know, is it hot? Is it cold? Is it warm? And just think about the palm right now. How many people has it touched today? How often have you used it to wave hello or goodbye or give high fives or fist bumps? Just take a deep breath in. And since I said that my life is full of quotes, I thought we'd end with a good quote. And this quote is from Ajahn Shah. It says, about this mind, in truth, there is nothing really wrong with it. It is intrinsically pure. Within itself, it is already peaceful. Our practice is simply to see the original mind. And hopefully that will be a good launching point for us. So thank you, friends, so much for joining us and allowing me to spend the majority of the time talking. Thanks for sharing. Yes. I think it's really important that, you know, we get a different perspective and that we really get to know what it looks like to have this sort of lifestyle. And Chelsea, I think you've done a really good job of making that um, very personal for our listeners. So I hope that that resonates with so many of you um, today. Because I know it's definitely resonated with me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And um, we will continue with, uh, I guess, for next episode, going to do um, going to do a little bit of sharing. So we hope that you'll join us. Yay, Erin. All right. Thank you, friends. See you next time. Thank you again for joining us today on the Contemplative Motherhood Podcast with us, your host, Aaron Thomas and Chelsea Whipple. To get regular updates on our podcast, hear new episode drops, interact with us about past and future episodes, and find our show notes, make sure to go to our website, www.contemplativemotherhood.org. As always, we appreciate your support of this podcast and in helping us share our journey with others. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. This helps us to cross paths with other pilgrim mamas across the board. So until next time.